Tonight, I really just wanted to go over uh, the question, how are we to work and rest? That's a you know, very basic human question. How are we to work and rest? Uh, it's an essential part of our lives, right, to, uh, to work, right? All human beings all over the globe, how we have existed and, and continued to exist all throughout time is that people have been working. Farmers have been farming, uh, you know, cooks, you know, drivers or some sort of transport took the produce from the farm and brought it to a table and a cook cooked it and then they fed it to you and you bought it and all this stuff, right, has been going on forever. Work is an essential part about being a human and so it's important, especially at a time when it when feeling work and doing work feels so, um, I think, probably confusing uh, maybe it's, I hope that tonight maybe we can be clarifying about how it is that God expects us to work, what it looks like for us to work and rest uh, in light of who God is. Um, so let's uh, read together tonight's passage from Psalm 92. Psalm 92, uh, the heading says, it's a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to your name, O Most High. By the way, I'm in ESV, in case you're wondering. Verse 2. To declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all the evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Uh, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, uh, let, uh, please let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, so let's jump in the passage and explore our question, right? Remember our, our big, big question that we're, that we're thinking of tonight is how are we to work and rest? How are we to work and rest? Well, let's start by looking at verse four. Uh, after calling for God's people to praise God and give him thanks, uh, we arrive at the subject of the praise, what's caused the psalmist to even pen this message. And it is that God has made the psalmist glad by his work. It is God's work that takes the central focus of the psalm and is the subject of its praise. Uh, in verse 4, uh, you'll notice that the verbs are all past tense. So the psalmist is considering God's work in the past. What has he, what has he done in the past? And specifically, the reference of, of God's hands uh, 
obviously God doesn't actually physically have hands, but describing him with hands is an allusion to the first way that God has worked in our world, and that is creation. Uh, Elsewhere in the Psalms, in Psalm 19, we're told that the heavens declare the glory of God, and uh, and the sky proclaims his handiwork, right? Uh, God's work of creation ought to gladden our hearts, uh, is what the psalm is expressing, right? That when we sing about God's work, first and foremost, what we think of is God's hands and what he's done in the world to make it uh, the way that it is. Um, Exodus 20 tells us that God worked six days and then rested on the seventh uh, to make everything. In the fourth commandment, it is uh, God's own pattern of work and rest that provides us with our pattern of working six days and resting on the seventh. We work like God works. Um, dominion of the earth is part of what it, it means for us to bear God's image. For him to have created us means we reflect him in this way, that we work and rest. Uh, and it is this creative work that brings the psalmist joy. And I mean, I don't know about uh, how many of you made it outside today. I mentioned this earlier, but uh, I I was able to like go on a run and uh, Maddie did too. And like we've had our windows open uh, all day today, which is different uh, than it has been recently. And um, man, to hear the birds chirping and just like the feel the sunshine on my face, like made me thankful. I was that, that this creation on some level, what the psalmist is saying is that like God worked to give us something we can enjoy, gave us an actual product, bore fruit from his work. Um, and while, you know, many things seem wrong in our world right now, uh, the, the, the world that I'm living in, the physical material world, um, the, the sun, moon, and stars are reminders to us that God cares, that he has provided with us, for us food and um, has provided for us landscapes. Um, I stood out in front of Lake Michigan today and was like, wow, I mean, somebody made this huge body of water. Um, and and, and it's, it's clear, it causes us joy to see such good creation. That's why people go hiking. Maybe you hate hiking or camping, but like, I don't know. Uh, you're, if you're one of those, um, surely maybe you've looked at a poster sometime that somebody took a picture of and you were like, that's cool. Uh, there, there's something in us that, get, that is thankful for the way God works. Um, but then the psalmist turns after verse four through verse, uh, to verses five through nine. Look at verses five through nine for a second. Uh, in those verses, uh, the, the psalmist makes an important point about how God works now. So it's, uh, focus kind of shifts from what God has done in the past to what he does now. And while God's past creation clearly displays his goodness, the reality is that sometimes his present works seem to call him into question. If we're honest with ourselves, like we ask things like, where is God in the midst of coronavirus? Uh, while, where is he while you know wicked people sprout like grass and uh, take hundreds of rolls of toilet paper or you know, PPE equipment, uh, and sell them for profit out of their trunks, right? Where is he during that time? Or where is he as evildoers flourish, um, who might use a pandemic as a means of voter suppression, um, who, who, 
uh, target in specific areas where, you know, maybe there are only four polling locations open in the city and, you know, force people out to vote even while it's dangerous for them. Um, I'm not, I'm not assigning blame. There's plenty of blame to go around for that. I'm not, that's not a political statement. That's just, that's wrong. Uh, and where's God when that happens? Like what's, you know, what's he been up to? Where is he while people do things that put people in danger or harm's way? Um, or seem to be self-interested at the cost of other people? Um, these are important questions, and it's important not to miss the point that the psalmist is making about who the true, true fools are. It's not foolish to ask those kinds of questions. Uh, the true fools, if you if you'll look at uh, verse 6, there's, an important, there's a, an important colon at the end of verse 6, right? Uh, what the psalm is saying is that those who think that this is how it will always be, that you know they can make hay while the sun shines, that they can take advantage of people that who are wicked and hurt people for their own gain, um, he's saying that those people are the fools. People who think that God doesn't still care about his creation. Those people are fools who do not understand that God is still working. Not only has he worked, right? Verse 4 looks back to his work, but verse 6 says, God is still at work. Those people are fools who don't understand that God is still working all things for his purposes and against his enemies. These fools are doomed to destruction because God is at work in the world even when we can't see it clearly. We can see it, we can see it in creation, but we can also not see it sometimes when we look around. Um, this reminds me of uh, Maddie and I have been watching uh, Avengers. Uh, like the uh, like the whole set of like Marvel movies we've been going through like one a night sometimes like three in a day um, that's not true it's true um, so sometimes we get a bunch of those in and uh, the one one of the ones we've watched most recently is uh, Infinity War uh, and during Infinity War there's this big scene where um, you know they're they're gonna fight Thanos which is like this big evil bad guy if you haven't seen it he's like the scourge of the entire universe. And uh, I'm not going to give anything away, I promise. Um, but they, I might give this movie away, but it's fine. Uh, you've had years. Okay, so um, he's like the scourge of the earth and, uh, and all universes everywhere. And Thanos is, uh, is currently looking for this one stone and a superhero by the name of Doctor Strange has this stone. And earlier he's talking with Iron Man and he says, um, there are odds of winning. He says he's looked into the future. He can see all the futures and all the possibilities and how they turn out. And he says um, he's looked through 14,605,000 possible futures. And out of all those possible futures, there's only one in which they win. And then like right after saying that, essentially, he goes over to Thanos and just gives him this stone that's going to kill half of all living beings in the whole universe. And it doesn't make any sense. In fact, uh, Iron Man, who'd asked the question, is super angry at him, and, it doesn't, and everybody's so outraged because they don't know why Doctor Strange would do that. He actually helped the bad guy. Um, and I think I, I, I make this point. I'm not going to tell you how it all ends. Um, but I make this point to say that um, sometimes with a glimpse of the future, you can know the way things are supposed to turn out. We have some sort of concept for the reality that 
while we may not be able to know why things happen and why everything's working the way that it is, it doesn't necessarily mean that God isn't using it for his own purposes, that this isn't the one way it works out in which all good things happen. And in fact, right, God is not like Dr. Strange. There is not a one in 14,605 chance that he that we get this right. There is a one in one chance. God is all powerful. Um, he is the one who created all things and is at, still at work in all things. And we have the most sure promise in his son that Jesus would come die on the cross, uh, that he would uh, live a life here and become one of us and then be resurrected. It is God's guarantee that he has not given up on his creation. Um, Easter is kind of, uh, in that light, we're celebrating Easter this week, right? Uh, Easter is kind of God's exclamation point on the, on the reality that he has not given up on his people, on his world, um, and that he has won the victory, um, that we're not wondering if it's going to turn out all, all right. The down payment is already here. Jesus has already been raised from the dead, and we are, come, we are to come after him. So that brings us to our first answer to the question uh, of two. Uh, how are we to work and rest? Well, we're supposed to work and rest with gladness, knowing that God is at work in ways we can see, in ways we cannot. I'll say that again. With like, How are we supposed to work and rest with gladness, knowing that God is at work in ways we can see and ways that we can't. Um, but that's all very abstract, isn't it? That God is at work. Uh, what does it look like for God not to just be at work out there, but to be at work in here, right? In your life, uh, to be at work in you. Well, the psalmist gives us two pictures. We're going to go through them fast. Two pictures here to unpack what it looks like for God to be at work in us. Uh, look with me at verses uh, 10 through 11. Uh, this is the picture of a king. Uh, the horn is a symbol of power, as we see in Daniel 7. And the psalmist here says that God has exalted his power to the level of a wild ox. Uh, certainly a, a creature of immense strength, more than you know a normal human being. Uh, not only this, but God has exalted the, the psalmist over his enemies, Right? Uh, kind of envisioning a king in battle. He's perched over his army on a hilltop and he's watching the victory unfold. He's not even fighting it, right? But rather God is the army who is fighting the battle for him and winning the victory. The main point here behind this picture is that God is the giver of the deliverance. He's the giver of the good gifts. Um, I think a lot of times we tend to think that if we work really hard, we can get what we want out of life. And if I hope that COVID-19 has at least taught us that we don't have that much control over our lives. Um, but even if it hasn't taught us that, um, when, we, when we do that, what we tend to do is we say, you know, everything that's out of my control that goes bad in my life is God's fault. And everything that goes well in my life, I earned and I worked for. And, and nobody can take that from me. And I think that that robs God of what this passage is saying, which is that he wins the vet the, the victory, the battles that we fight. Um, and so one thing we should know about God is that he gives us all good things, um, that everything we receive that's good is from his hand. But then the psalmist gives to us a second picture, right? In verses 12 through, 14, 12 through 15, this time of two trees. Uh, he mentions a, a palm tree and a cedar, which are both, you know, symbolic of 
strength and longevity and desirability, um, you know, for shade and things uh, in an otherwise arid climate. Um, these trees are, are not, and it's weird because the image that he gives us that these trees aren't just out anywhere. They're actually placed inside the temple and they flourish there. They bear fruit. Uh, like we saw when we looked at Psalm 1 earlier this semester, this image of like a, a faithful, fruitful tree says actually very little about the strength of the tree itself, but rather where its roots are, right? Uh, the, the location of the tree is the key to its growth. No one can chop it down because it is near God. No one can bother it. it and it soaks up water and it's cared for and it's provided for because it is in God's presence. Um, proximity to God himself has led these trees to bear fruit. Um, as, and, and not just momentarily, uh, but for a lifetime. Uh, for you college kids, um, I know that... Um, I'm as excited as anyone when God's at work in your life and you can feel that and you're growing and, and studying his word and all those things. Um, but one of the things that this psalm should remind us is that uh, this is a lifelong journey. That uh, to walk with God is not to, you, you will have highs and you will have lows, but that what we want to see from you in RUF is not that you do well during COVID-19, but that you do well through COVID-20 and 21. Just kidding. I hope those aren't things. Um, but like, we want to see you walking faithfully with God when you're 60 and 65, right? That, that this is not a battle. This is a war. Um, and it takes many, many years to fight. Um, so we come to our second and final answer to our question, how are we to work and rest? Uh, I said earlier we're to work and rest with gladness, knowing that God is at work in ways we can see and ways we cannot. And also we're to work and rest with humility, right? Knowing our flourishing is from God for God. Uh, from God for God. Um, so with gladness and humility, we can work and rest. Uh, we can work this week and every week in quarantine or out and about in the world with gladness and humility. Uh, that it is God who is truly the one at work, that it's our proximity to him. It is his work of creation that empowers us. It is his goodness to us that allows us to, uh, to reflect him to the world. Um, he is at work in ways we see and don't see and is the power behind our work and our growth. Um, and he will surely complete that work. Uh, Philippians 1, 6 tells us, uh, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, God has made this promise secure in Christ um, and is worthy of our trust in whatever you're endeavoring in this week. Um, let's pray. Uh, 